it. I was sitting in a petrol station last night and I was calming and oh mother of God, the window got tapped three <laughs> times in ten minutes. They are That mad. was the one lad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, 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 they're mental about it, yeah. That's Don't go to rock. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette, in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mo. This is News Talk. Now then, you're very welcome along. So as the World Cup fast approaches, we will talk to Mr. Tim Vickery about South American sides, Brazil in particular. Marcela Mora Iorahu is in Argentina, so she'll talk to us about Argentina. 35 games unbeaten. Gav Cooney of the 42 is heading out to Qatar. He'll be along as well to chat about some of the European sides and what to expect in broader terms from this tournament. We have Keith Wood and Fiona Hayes on the way on Wednesday Night Rugby. That's after 8 o'clock. And Michael McCarthy is here in studio. Good so evening. I am Joe. 53106, text number, we're out off the ball on Twitter. Richie McCormack, good evening to you. Oh, we've no Richie again. We'll give it one more roll of the dice. Richie McCormack, good evening. No, we'll get him up in just a second. Once careless, sorry, no, <laughs> once unfortunate, twice careless. <laughs> <laughs> if I, George Bush has just joined us in the studio here. Yeah, fool me once. Yeah, you can't. You can't fool me again. <laughs> he rescued that quite well. Did he? Well, had, I mean, you have <laughs> to say those famous clips. You have to get out of it once you made the mistake, and yeah. he just said, "You can't fool me again." <laughs> he got a cheer, put an end to it. Didn't meander on. Yeah, ended up in one of the most played clips of his presidency. But once he'd made the mistake, he was doomed. That's fair enough. But yeah. as an ejector seat effort. Well, yeah, it was probably better to keep talking than to just do what he initial his initial instinct was, was just to kind of look up into a, a, a you know indiscriminate spot in the sky mm. as he tried to think of what he said and just stay silent. Yeah, so it's quite something as political standards have dropped beyond all expected levels. That Bush now looks positively presidential in his speeches and dispatches. <laughs> We're going off on a weird tangent here, but I was in a, a slight tangent, you could say. a slight a slight weird tangent. I would say weird. For the start of a sports show. I was in NASA uh, a few years ago in Houston. And mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a great, really good tour. I would recommend it to anybody traveling through Texas. And there was a space disaster that happened. I think, I uh, can't remember the name of it, unfortunately, sorry. Uh, that happened under Bush's watch and uh, astronauts died. It was Columbia, it was. And they played Bush's speech as they were, and this was a, right in the middle of Trump time. Mm-hmm. And George Bush, a notorious, you know, everything that went with him, right? And ha- and all his notoriety. And I listened to that speech that they played there and I was like, oh, that was just a president. So while you would be, he just spoke like a actual statesman in that exact moment. Now, not all the way through his presidency. I did many, many things that should remain notorious. Yeah. But it was amazing how far removed it was when you just think to yourself, Oh, that's George Bush who just sounds like a normal person compared to what they have now. Yeah. We've got off on one. We have. He's now become kind of um, Michelle Obama's joke buddy. Yeah. Almost yeah. beloved. People, people aren't too happy with that, I think, as well, no. given given the there were a couple of wars there that uh, shouldn't yeah. be exactly glossed over. Look, I messed up my intro. Let's get back on track. Where are we? Where are we? Was there sport today, Joe? Is there sport? There's breaking news in that Michael Murphy, one of not just only goals, greatest players, but one of the great GA players, Michael Murphy at the age of 33. After more than 15 years, you can forget how early on the scene Michael Murphy arrived, has announced his inter-county retirement. So central, obviously, to that All-Ireland in 2012 
scoring 1-4 in the final against Mayo and yeah. devastatingly so. And a brilliant goal in the first couple of minutes as Man well. Man of the yeah. match as well. Yeah. He won five Ulster titles, uh, the most recent of which came in 2019. So he, had a, he has a statement and he said, intriguingly, maybe in the years ahead, I'll find new ways to offer something more to my home county. So I dare say mm. we'll see him in a dugout in due course. But 33 years of age after a phenomenal innings, Michael Murphy has retired from Donegal inter-county football. I suspect he'll continue with Glen Swilly. Five Ulster titles is is actually a surprise to me when you see it written down. That that's an incredible achievement. I know we can talk about well, like the All Ireland early in his career and it was never followed up on. True enough, all to his, I would imagine. I would say, but five Ulster titles for a Donegal player in you know a time when Ulster football has been particularly competitive is an incredible achievement. Yeah. You know, um, just. Yeah, look, one of, I, I think you could class him as one of the greats and I think you always have to put into perspective where someone is from, what they mean to their team, what they mean to their counties. The amount of times I would watch Michael Murphy, watch Tony Gall and just watch what Michael Murphy is doing and kind of wish you were there a little bit because maybe he's fading off screen or you see him, you know, maybe walking to get away from the play to look not like not a threat. He was amazing at that. Yeah. He was amazing at just sort of looking uninterested in the play to create space for himself and fooled defenders for years at that exact move, plus all the other like more obvious things he did as well. Yeah, conducted himself in exemplary fashion over 15 years, like such a statesman. Even at 17, he seemed more mature than uh, your average seasoned inter-county footballer. And much of the reason for the debate around his best position was that if he was hanging around midfield, he looked awesome there. And if he went in at full forward, he looked awesome there. Yeah, and he was missed. Like, you know, there was all. It's a sign of a great player, and I think I always thought of Joe Canning and Michael Murphy in the same boat. Uh, you know, in two different sports, but there was always the sense of, you know, you can't have Joe Joe Canning or Michael Murphy inside because you don't have Joe Canning or Michael Murphy to hit it into them. Mm. If that's the case, you know. So look, I think when, I I'm I think it's a sad actual. Like I didn't see it coming. I didn't think that we we had seen the last of Michael Murphy for Donegal. I wonder if them taking a ridiculous amount of time to find a new manager and for it just to feel like a little bit of a reboot was part of his decision we don't know mm. obviously there's lots of other things that go into it uh, you know like the amount of time and effort that inter-county football will take from you is probably something that came into his consideration but mm. you wonder if everything was done and dusted a little bit earlier after Declan Boner um, left the scene whether you know, they could have been up and running and kind of into it before Michael Murphy had any chance to even think about his future, you know. Yeah, it's hard to know. 15 years is a very long time. It absolutely is. A lot is, of yeah. miles on the clock. And it's great he won that All-Ireland. It's great they had that year. I think the five Ulsters is, is super impressive. I suppose that might underline the sense of his career tinged, I suppose, by the fact that Donegal in too many years were talked about as dark horses or even just uh, full on they're a real threat to do something and generally didn't deliver. Yeah, and I wonder, did they not deliver or were they not good enough? I, I, I've I, felt that Donegal have been living off... Reputation is a strong word because they're still competing for Ulster. They're still a good team, but I don't feel like they've been All-Ireland contenders for quite a while in any real terms, but they're still talked about it as. And one of the reasons is because they've got one of the best footballers in the country playing for them, but you can only do with what what's around you. And look, they've been a high-achieving team not least because of Michael Murphy, but I don't know if he's had enough around him. You Again, just to go back to what I said at the very start, you always have to take into account, into context, 
where somebody is from when it comes to Gaelic games and and all Ireland and five Ulster titles is in no way yeah. anything but a roaring success of a career Correct. if you're from Donegal. If he wins that midway through the career, it sounds a hell of a lot better than in in right some ways. Absolutely, sure. yeah, yeah. You're built. You, you've built up to it and you've achieved that holy grail as opposed to just it coming mm. easy early on. But don't forget, he was captain Joe in 2012 when he got that one four one five in the final. You know, this was a kid. Yeah. It's just 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, I know he was on the scene five years at that stage, but he was captain and that was, and he's been captain many of the years since. I'm not sure about all of them, but like just a born leader yeah. and so obviously far and away a standout player for his, for, for his county and in the country. Yeah, there have been several years across his 15 with Tony Gold where he was the best footballer in the country. So again, Michael Murphy is retired from Intercounty Football. That's the uh, relatively breaking news over the uh, last hour or so. We'll kick on with the news round. It's brought to you with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mo. You can sign up or donate now at Movember.com. Richard McCormack, there are rumours you're on the line. Hello, Joe. How are you? Hey. Oh, it's a good line. Too, good line too. Were you late again or what happened this time? Uh, there, there, were, there was confusion over which method of communication we were actually using. Okay. So. Well, it yeah. sounds like you're in studio here with us. And that, that's the joy of not having me on picture, Joe. You're not eating up all that crazy bandwidth looking at my ugly head. Okay. So mm. we're going to get cracking on the news round. Johnny Sexton has declared himself fit, I suppose, the headline news from the rugby point of view. Yeah, he is to face the Wallabies, of course, on Saturday. The Ireland captain trained today, having recovered from a knock sustained in the win over the Springboks nearly a fortnight ago. Sexton watched from the stands last week as Ireland laboured to a 35-17 win over Fiji. The 37-year-old refuted claims that Ireland's performance last week was down to feeling a so-called second string. Well, I don't think it was second string. I think it was it was the Irish team um, and it was the majority of the first team we're playing that was that was why I was disappointed now it's, it's always tough to come back after an, uh, a very good victory the week before but at the same time come come World Cup or Six Nations you need to produce week on week and uh, yeah we made a few changes based on injuries uh, they weren't selection things they were literally guys weren't fit and uh, you know we need to be better come World Cup you know playing against you know a team we got Tonga in our pool and, and uh, you know that They'll find you out. You know they're good teams now. They're they're very. You look at the Fijian coaching team. It's uh, pretty impressive, and uh, they they were good. And uh, we probably didn't hit the standards that uh, that we wanted to. Keith Wood, Fiona Hayes on the way after eight o'clock. Rich, we've been mentioning Michael Murphy, but for anyone joining us late. Yeah, one of Donegal's greatest ever players announcing their inter-county retirement this evening. After more than 15 years, Michael Murphy has played his final game for the county. The Glen Swilly forward was a central part of the team that won the All-Ireland title in 2012, scoring 1-4 in that final win over Mayo and being named man of the match as well. He also won five Ulster titles with Donegal, the most recent of which came in 2019. And in a statement this evening, I suppose this is a cause for optimism for Donegal fans up and down the land. The 33-year-old said, maybe in the years ahead, I'll find new ways to offer something more to my home county. Yeah, very intriguing prospect. We were just saying, Rich, for a fair portion of his 15 years as an intercounty player, he could have been very arguably player of the year, best player in the country sure. in any of those years. You think of his physique, you think of his engine, you think of his speed, you think of his skill, you think of his determination, you think Clutch of his leadership. Player. Yeah, you think of pressure moments. There's not a position on the field he wouldn't have won an All-Star in. Yeah, that's the thing. Just an absolutely incredible footballer. I think, like you make mention of his frame and his size, like, and I know obviously these athletes are well conditioned, but I think the bigger you are and the longer you are on a team like that, 
uh, the more impact it's going to have on your joints and on your body as a whole. And like he seems like an old 33, and I don't mean that as, 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 a, as a note of disrespect to him. He just seems like, I guess, during the 15 years that he's been there, yeah. but he seems like an older player. And in the last couple of years, he seemed to kind of almost move like a player who's a couple of years older than perhaps we actually uh, recognize he actually was in, in 33. Like I thought, just off the top of my head, he was 35, version on 36, but no, 33. Uh, there's a lot of miles uh, on the tank mm. now uh, over the course of the last while. He's and like never really had one of those long, massive layoffs through injury. He was always really dependable um, for Donegal in terms of fitness and definitely in terms of performance. And that's like that's something like I know Mick said there about Donegal perhaps living off the, the memory of 2012. They are to a degree, but again, like they had a team of a generation then and you, can, you could go through 50, out of the 15 that started that a lot of finally against Mayo, you could make a decent cause for 12-13 being all-stars that year. You could never, as they began to drift away, make the same claim as competitive as they have been in Ulster. And the worry for Donegal is that that standard bearer and the man who kind of led the team in terms of their approach, in terms of their standards, in terms of how they approached each and every game, is gone now and that is a massive void to fill and it's a bigger void to fill than the new manager it's a bigger void to fill than uh you know trying to close the gap and, and, and a regular you know a rank and file retirement this is their standard bearer for the last 15 years gone and they'll notice it next year they really will yeah so a couple of additions from an irish point of view to the european tour next year yeah, brilliant, brilliant final round of 65 at Q School in Tarragona today. Saw Kinsale's John Murphy gain a DP World Tour card. He had been 92 on the Challenge Tour rankings in July. He had a good Irish challenge, of course, in the summer. And he started today four shots off the qualifying places, but finished then comfortably within them, within a 23rd place there. Waterford's Gary Hurley shot a final round of 70 in Tarragona. He'd always been in contention going into today. And he was also a comfortable 13th out of those top 25 plus ties that have gained their cards for next season. Yeah, it's great. And much needed for Irish golf because that underappreciated grouping of Golf Weekly co-presenter Peter mm-hmm. Laurie, Gary Murphy, Damien McGrain, who were there year in, year out on the European Tour. Mm-hmm. Again, very underappreciated because of the um, the star wattage of... the major winners yeah, were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Howie, those kind of guys Those guys, well. Howie, yeah. yeah. Uh, they had all come to the end and... Uh, there's been a sense of a little bit of a lull in Irish golf and, and who's next behind Shane Larry. So it's great now that there'll be Irish players on the European Tour because there would have been tournaments where there just wouldn't have been an Irish player in the field potentially. So it's very timely and uh, congrats. It's no easy thing yeah, to come it, through Q School. To be honest with you as well, it was largely a bad week for Irish golfers taking away Murphy and Hurley, Caldwell, Jonathan Caldwell, Cormac Sharvin yeah. and Paul Dunn were all in that field and they all missed the cut uh, to play in the final couple of rounds as well. So it was their players who've been on the tour uh, particularly done in Sharvin for the past couple of years Caldwell I know was a more recent addition Yeah. Uh, so the kind this was needed uh, for two golfers like brilliant for Munster in and of itself like you're talking about Waterford and Kinsale are going to be represented week in and week out more or less in the European Tour next season our DP World Tour as it is now mm. um, but brilliant and for, for, for Murphy in particular considering where he was in the summer considering where he was even like he was 42nd uh, going into the final day and he pulled out a bogey free final round that's just remarkable as I mentioned clutch playing to to get over the line and get himself a car for next year so uh, Casement Park next on your agenda 
Yeah, it's among 14 stadiums submitted by the joint Irish and UK bid for Euro 2028. The Belfast GEA Stadium has been idle for nearly a decade, but redevelopment work is due to begin in the new year with uh, planning permission already uh, in receive. Uh, Dublin's Crow Park and Aviva Stadium are also on the long list, as is Everton's uh, being constructed, Bramley Moore Dock. And that um, list of 14 will be trimmed to 10 stadiums if the bid is successful. Turkey provide the only rival bid with UEFA set to make their decision in September. Okay. Uh, Kerry then? Yeah, Kerry FC director Stephen Conway says bringing League of Ireland football to the county is a dream come true. The Tralee-based club have been granted a licence to compete in next season's SSE or Tristy First Division. Kerry FC will be based out of Mount Hawk Park and all 10 teams in the First Division as well. We should note uh, getting their licences for next season, but a nice addition uh, down in Tralee. Yes, great. And when we when we were touching on grassroots football last night and the bigger importance than ever on League of Ireland clubs to have academies. I mean, one of the issues is that there are far too many clubs in Dublin and there are too many patches, areas of the country where there isn't League of Ireland representation. So if you're the young, talented player there, you may not necessarily have a League of Ireland academy to go to. So we do need clubs given licences all around the country. Yeah. So. And the Premier League this year, I think, had nobody south of uh, nobody south of Shamrock Rovers and Tala. Which is an incredible thing, really. So, but Cork are back, obviously, next year. Yeah, yeah. Waterford didn't get promoted, uh, but like you know, they're they they were looking a little bit more strong. And obviously, you're you're you you know you've got Treaty and uh, you know a, a team a, a new team coming up in Kerry. Like it does sound like that there are some green shoots yeah. there at least. Yeah. It's a big, decent bellwether for future years as well because you can't forget that the FAI have basically put this out there that there's going to be three divisions before long and with that is going to need extra licenses and, and clubs that, you know, we're going to talk about people like Mayo and maybe Carl Kilkenny yeah. are going to have representation in, in the coming years as well. So this is a decent bellwether to see how new teams can do. Um, but there is an appetite for football down there in Kerry, uh, certainly, and you'd hope that this they can get off to a flyer next year because if they do, Jesus, what a place to have, you know, a successful football team. Yeah. Pat Gilroy, he can't keep away. No, 2011 All-Ireland winning manager is back in the fold with the Dublin footballers and he's going to work under manager Desi Farrell. All-star nominee Lee Gannon let the news slip this morning confirming Gilroy's return at the launch of the Dubs New Jersey. Gilroy departed as Dublin manager in 2012 and was in charge of the county's senior herders for the 2018 campaign. Something kind of cool about this. Yeah, I like it. There's a humility there. Like, you know, I'll, I'll go and work under the current manager for the good of Dublin football. There's no sense of, well, I've, I've won my All-Ireland and my reputation is uh, perfection. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it at that. In service to the county, who is uh, Pat Gilroy's mentor? Mickey Whelan, who worked under him, having been manager of Dublin. You know, like, and like that, I think that, that, that sort of says a lot, that whole, that whole Vincent's tree, coaching tree, I feel like sort of, uh, you know, tend to, you know, I don't know, maybe that's a, a simplistic way of looking at it, but it's the first thing I thought of yeah. was that Whelan did the same for Gilroy as Gilroy is now doing and coming back. Yeah. Don't forget as well, he popped in and was like manager of the Dublin Herders for a year yeah, as well. And, like, and you really know, got like, them into shape, you know. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Yeah. So Louis van Gaal has been talking out of the World Cup then, obviously Netherlands manager once again. Yeah, he says he has no problem if supporters want to boycott the World Cup. Host nation Qatar, of course, criticised for its treatment of migrant workers and same-sex couples in the build-up to the tournament. Van Gaal is desperate to ensure fans still enjoy their performances from home. I think that they are right to do that because they believe in that and they have to do that. So no problem with that. And I hope that we play 
so fantastic that at the end of the tournament, when we play the final, they uh, shall look for the television how good we are. Okay, that's Louis van Gaal, Netherlands. We have cricket news. Uh, yeah, before we did it up, uh, Stephen Kenny, <clears throat> per me, with everyone to go on the fly, Stephen Kenny was speaking today ahead of tomorrow's Friendly with Norway, which I guess for various reasons is flying under the radar and uh, Erling Haaland won't be involved. But the Republic of Ireland manager says 18-year-old Evan Ferguson could well be given his debut against the Norwegians tomorrow night at the Aviva. The Brighton striker is one of only four forwards in Kenny's squad. And the manager says there's every chance that Ferguson could make his debut tomorrow night. Mm. He's one of four strikers we have in the squad. He, It is premature. He's come in early. Um, he's not played that many games for Brighton's first team. But we rate him highly. He's come through the underage international teams and been very, very good. He's a different profile of the strikers that we have. Aggressive and strong in the air. He scores different types of goals. Uh, headed goals. And, um, you know, he... He is um, someone who has achieved a lot in in his tender years. Um, so he, he has a, a chance of being involved, but uh, no guarantees at the same time. guess that's a, a reason to head along tomorrow. If it hadn't gone, if the news of Erling Haaland not playing had not gone down well in the McCormick household, I suspect it didn't. <laughs> uh, not really, no. It's kind of like... Uh, the idea of sitting out in a, in a cold November night to watch uh, Norway um, or Haalandless uh, kind of lost its, uh, its luster a little bit to say the least but uh, yeah it'd be interesting to see if Ferguson gets on I'm sure he'll get some minutes tomorrow yeah. night because uh, Kenny's striking options are such that um, does there, like I think Chidozio Benny is more than likely going to start as one of the the, the front two possibly of a Femi as well so you'll figure that with Will Keane out uh, someone like Ferguson will get ten minutes at least off the bench, and will be it'll be brilliant for him. They clearly like they clearly have a lot of faith in him. Um, he was you know, l- 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 we kind of forget that he was fast tracked into the twenty ones as quickly as he was as a seventeen year old. He was still seventeen, I think, when they played that playoff in Israel. Mm. Um, so from to make his international debut not long, I think it was what September is when he turned eighteen and got his first full pro contract with Brighton to make an international debut off the back of that is. Uh, is phenomenal stuff. It really, really is. Um, but yeah, like tomorrow night, it really is hard to get the blood pumping for for a friendly with with Norway. And Richie, have we played Norway since the '94 World Cup? <sighs> Do you I know can't what, remember. Any games. I don't. I don't think we have. But it isn't to say that we haven't. Certainly not in a uh, qualifier. Anyway, I don't. No, think no, we like, definitely haven't. That was a yeah. terrible game. <laughs> it was one, one of the worst games I can remember, like ever. Like just <laughs> like nothing. Just absolutely nothing game. Uh, you never even see highlights for it. Do you know what, Mick? We've played them three times since then. Have we? Right, okay. Just after doing a quick... Who 2003, could forget? Not an epic rivalry. And 2010, all friendlies. Uh, we won in 2003. That was in an April. Damien Duff scored the winner of that one. And Duffer. then there was a one-all draw uh, in Norway uh, in 2008. Oh, yeah. And the most, and the most recent one in 2010, <laughs> uh, we lost 2-1. Morton, Morton Gams-Patterson, the evergreen Morton Gams-Patterson, and Eric... Hustle Kep uh, scored their goals and Shane Long got a penalty for us after five minutes. So we have played them yes. since. Not um, an ounce of recollection of any of those three Zero. games. Watched all three of those games. Can't remember them. Oh yeah, definitely watched them when they were on, but no. Oof. There isn't room in my brain for Ireland versus Norway friendlies. Wow. Will we remember tomorrow night come Friday? 
Uh, we'll remember it when we say, do you remember that time Erling Haaland didn't play? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, you think think tomorrow, I mean, will you remember Ireland Malta on day one of the 2022 World Cup? I'll probably remember it more than Ecuador Qatar, to be honest with you. Like, there's no compulsion to watch that. Like, I can't think of a more underwhelming opening game to a World Cup, ever. Unless Ecuador do a right number on them. I think the whole world wouldn't mind a 5-0 job. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, I think... off in the right vein, no? An an ancillary line to the World Cup, I'm just seeing Rob Harris tweeting here saying the German Football Federation's decided it won't back Gianni Infantino for re-election as FIFA president next year, saying it won't back a candidate and questioning uh, FIFA's commitment to human rights. So it'll be interesting to see if that snowballs. I would suggest that it would in Europe, but elsewhere where I guess the likes of Infantino base all of their voting power. Um, that mightn't be the case, but it is interesting to see that that's raised its head on the eve of a World Cup uh, to say that people aren't backing Infantino based on, uh, I should say, Qatari resident Gianni Infantino based on all of this. Yeah, I'm just watching Sky News. I think there's been like a sting on Prince William uh, talking to uh, fellow politicians at some conference or other where he's confessing that he will be supporting England at the World Cup but he supports Wales and rugby and that's how he's done it and I think Michael Sheen and other uh, Welsh people are furious because he handed out jerseys to England as well these are the pre-World Cup stories that just they're furious do it for me he's English why wouldn't he support England I think is he not um, he's Prince of Wales now isn't he yeah Prince yeah. of Wales but they're playing Wales Prince of Wales supporting England half and half jersey look, look you know Prince Prince William supports Aston Villa <laughs> Everything, everything after that secondary, you know. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, Gav Cooney was mentioning as well that Grant Wall, the journalist from the States, is over in Qatar and he was in the media centre and there's a slogan or other on the wall. I'm sure just a bit, you know, everyone have a great time or football's great or whatever. And he took a picture of the slogan <laughs> and oh, some Jobsworth there came over and said to delete the photo straight away. It can't be on his phone. Oh, not, there's a journalist. Yeah, there was a Danish journalist who had their camera uh, saw that, yeah. put away. Yeah, and they basically had to issue an immediate apology for that because they're just filming away, doing a piece to, to cameras you would do from a World Cup kind of venue, uh, host venue. And um, it was just on the, the street where they were filming. Yeah, yeah. the Qatari security decided to get involved, push the camera down, and say, mm. "You can't film here. Yeah. You can't." It film was us. interesting that like, like a golf. If people have seen that footage, that like a golf cart style yeah. uh, vehicle of like four people arrive in and are like hopping out before it's even stopped to come and stop yeah. this I, crazy I, filming it's like it was uh, hypersensitive you're talking about the whole like it's not sports washing it's just power like it feels like we're very quickly getting into the whole like you will not be reporting yeah. from this place you will you know you will tell a happy story or you will tell no story but, you know what was the slogan that they didn't want <laughs> tweeting? Yeah. it was on the wall in the media centre like a giant slogan. Yeah. Qatar is class. I mean, pretty much. So, I mean, that's a very odd one to get your head around. I couldn't tell if the lads who pulled up in the golf cart to shut down the Danish journalists, were they police officers? I don't know what Qatari mm. uh, police officers were or were they no just idea. World Cup officials? But uh, at one stage he was saying, go on, break the camera. This is live on Danish TV. Break the camera. That'd be great. Go on. <laughs> so there we are. Uh, we should mention the cricket this morning. Uh, yeah, a really, really, really good win. And in fact, a historic one for the Irish women's side in Lahore. Their 34 run, 34 run victory over Pakistan in their final one day international secured a first overseas series win. Ireland won the ODI series 2 1. Gabby Lewis was named player of the series with today's knock of 71, taking her to a series total of 144. Mm. We are out of time. Richie, thank you very much. 
Nice and lads. Michael, thank you. Thanks.